Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. This audio edition is created in conjunction with partners as part of our Market Voice series. Well, what is actually going on with all those humans who used to hit Metro CBDs every day for work? We know there's been a shakeout with all that, but in the case of Sydney, for instance, are we still seeing the shape of commutes and office life bounce around? There's probably one company who's got a handle on that more than most, and that's because it's spent massively on the fancy, enviro-friendly and possibly shimmering City of Sydney Street Furniture Network. Is the less work, more play CBD thing still happening? Well, something certainly is. On the mics today is Stan's CMO, Diana Ilinkovsky, and you may ask what Stan and Diana got to do with it. You're about to find out. Diana is joined by QMS Executive General Manager, Mark Fairhurst, who has charge of the City of Sydney Street Furniture and Digital Screen Network, and he's one year in since launching. Mark's going to give us an update on what's going on with humans in the metropolis. And then you'll hear from Diana on what she's up to with Stan in a supercharged competitive streaming category that's getting plenty of attention on what happens as household spending tightens. What's Stan doing to find new subscribers? If you haven't worked out a link by now on this podcast, give it just a few more minutes. Welcome, Diana and Mark. This is going to be interesting because I want to know what's going on in the city, Mark. Um, You're officially one, I think, very grown up. So let's get a fix on what is happening in these CBDs, Sydney specifically. You're still seeing lots of humans last time I looked, um, but are they still challenging those, um, I guess, those pre-COVID patterns or are they settling back into the old ways? Um, How are we behaving and travelling these days, Mark? Work versus play, is it changing around still? It has changed and will keep changing. I think Paul is the answer and um, and uh, hi, everyone. What we've seen is uh, certainly a, a different shape to the audience that we, uh, that we see across the city of Sydney geography, probably a slightly less uh, regular office journey, but many other reasons to be uh, coming in and out of the, the city of Sydney. So the audience is certainly in the city of Sydney, Paul, we are seeing a change in journey purpose and timings around that audience. So as a consequence of uh, well, post-COVID, the city have, um, have gone out of their way to encourage things like on-street dining, um, events around the city, uh, other attractions on the weekends, and we're certainly seeing that play out in our audience data. So audience is certainly there, uh, slightly down on Mondays as a consequence of various work from home uh, arrangements that, uh, that that linger, but night times and weekends are certainly up, and um, and so overall we're delivering uh, the the same audience just in slightly different ways. Well, we've never liked Mondays, have we, Mark? So that's probably a good thing. Never um, liked Mondays. But is the audience, you talk about the travelled patterns of the audience changing, is the composition in terms of uh, what that audience looks like, is that different to what it was pre-COVID? It's not necessarily different, Paul. It's the journey purpose has shifted a little bit. So more more people, same audience coming in uh, with the same frequency, but for different different reasons. So coming in to enjoy uh, dinner or a show or an event, or coming in as tourists on the weekend rather than just the Monday to Friday to and from the office. 
What are the numbers, Mark, in the City of Sydney in terms of that traffic, at least past your uh, the City of Sydney network? Yeah, so look, we, we, um, we're seeing audiences back at, at 2019 levels, uh, but as I said, they are um, there's a slightly different shape to them. And then um, also as a consequence of the city's uh, push for events and other entertainment and attractions, Sydney's enjoyed some really big events this year which skew that audience flow again. Mm. We're certainly picking that up in our mobility data um, around the time of day, the time of week, and the composition of that audience. Can I get you to say, because I think I've got a number, saw somewhere a number somewhere, Mark, that said 2.6 million. Am I making that up? 2.6 million is the number of city siders that come in and out of that city of Sydney geography each week and uh, provide you know, uh, the reach capability of our network. As we mentioned at the top, you're a year old. How is all that landing with brands, Mark? Um, are there certain categories that are getting this and jumping on? And what are they trying to do? We certainly um, set out. We set out with the launch of this network to raise the bar in terms of what a street furniture network could be, and to change the way outdoor or street furniture is planned and bought in this market. We're still getting. We are getting the the traditional categories, and some more than others uh, have really surprised us. So um, clearly, luxury retail has uh, really embraced the network, and that's understandable because the. You know, the, the, the network is beautifully designed, bigger and brighter screens, uh, more effective screens. Just on that, luxury is in a world of its own, isn't it? Because, you know, there's plenty of other categories that are feeling some heat, but luxury is still rocking in terms of um, spend and, and intent. It certainly is. It's, um, it says a lot about um, the audience mindset. And certainly the location from our perspective lends itself to that category. And the, the, the luxury category have been amazing supporters Outside of that, the, the categories that have, that have really discovered the value of the, of the network and have embraced it are, uh, for us, around entertainment, around uh, streaming, and Diana is a fantastic example of that, travel, uh, et cetera. So we've been, uh, you know, we're seeing a change in, in travel pattern or journey purpose inside that geography and a bigger focus on, you know, lifestyle and entertainment would be the consequence. Well, it's a perfect segue really to Diana. Can you give us a little bit of an update on streaming? I know that you know everyone's talking, there's plenty of commentary around uh, households uh, reducing streaming subs because of the crunch, but is that true? And, and what's your take on what's going on at the moment in, in, in the household spending intentions and entertainment and so forth, Diana, and welcome. Thanks, Paul. And hi, Mark, and hi, everyone. Yes, Stan is in a strong position as we continue to grow our base and retain more customers than ever before. And as we reported in the recent nine results, we're approaching 2.6 million active subscribers and have 2.2 million paying subscribers. So this has been underpinned by our highly differentiated offering centred around our key content pillars of exclusives, originals and sport. And when you look at our lineup, we have the biggest lineup of entertainment at Stan our commitment to Stan Originals um, that helps differentiate us isn't a new strategy. We launched our first original in our first year of launch um, and we've continued to ramp that up year after year and cement ourselves as Australia's unrivaled home of original productions. And that's now paying off because we know that Australians want to watch high quality Australian content. And it means we're not completely reliant on our US content in light of things that are happening in the broader market, writer strikes, actor strikes, mm. you name it. So our original strategy allows us to ensure that we've got a continued pipeline of new shows for all audiences on stand. 
So, Diana, all that content and the lineup you got, that's what's um, holding up. I'm assuming you're saying you're either holding subs or you're growing at the moment. That content is what's contributing to it. So you are in growth. Is that right? Absolutely, Paul. And that unique strategy around exclusives, originals and sport as those key content pillars for us provide a highly differentiated offering versus other streaming services and other entertainment options. So that means we're well poised in the market to continue to provide incredible value for Australian consumers. It's funny, isn't it? Because there's so much, we talked earlier at the top, there's so much commentary around, oh, there's great threats to subscription services, but certainly in your context, it's wayward commentary. Correct. Yeah, there you go. So on that, what is happening with your customers in and around those content genres and shows that they're piling into? Are they changing the way they, they're, what they're viewing and when they're viewing it, Diana? Because I know at one stage, Stan talked about, was it seven or, or nine was the new prime or something, but um, was just a sort of a behavioral seven o'clock at night or nine o'clock at night that was, is the new prime time. Are they changing at the moment? Are you seeing shifts as a result of um, you know, what we're seeing now in the economics? Well, broadly, consumption and viewership continues to be stronger than ever before. But in terms of specific habits, that obviously varies for different customers. For example, if you're a sport customer, your viewing habits look very different to entertainment. Mm. Um, you wouldn't believe the amount of people that tune in at 4am to watch their favourite team or player um, in the latest UEFA round or rugby round or, or tennis match um, or watch it on demand on their way to work um, on their mobile phone. And then that viewing consumption and pattern looks very different for consumers who are enjoying our entertainment content. So the good news is there isn't one size fits all, but Mm. our platform enables consumers to enjoy the content how and when they want it. Well, I guess it's that link now to the good position you're in in market and part of it is getting awareness and understanding and I guess reminders of what sort of content you've got. You, I think, has, or Stan has long been a fan or has been in the City of Sydney network. Uh, Why? What's the upside there and and who are you targeting? How are you using it, uh, Diana? First and foremost, we have a long-standing partnership with QMS, and that is because they really are flexible partners, and partners is the key there. Um, it's not a transactional relationship. They work together with us, Mark and the team, to drive maximum value for our business, and we use their full suite of assets, including City of Sydney. Um, and ultimately, we are using City of Sydney for scale, as we talked about earlier, 2.6 million unique eyeballs a week. We get to reach all audience segments as, as part of that audience mix. And the volume of panels in the concentrated areas also allows for high cut through and frequency. Um, and ultimately, it's a very premium network. Our premium content deserves and needs a premium ad format. The digital-led network uh, that QMS offers with 4K panels is aligned to our 4K Ultra HD viewing experience that we offer on stand. So it's a perfect platform to continue to promote and highlight our new content and our brand. On top of that, our distinct brand blue certainly cuts through on those digital panels and, and looks brilliant in digital. Yeah. So those shifts that um, in CBD audiences that, that Mark spoke of earlier and the audience types, have you noted any change? And clearly they must be still good for Stan in that we might have composition changes or, or changes in the when people are coming in, but the market, the target, the audience is still right for you, Yeah. Absolutely. The increased leisure audience that's coming into the CBD and surrounds at nighttime and on weekends for entertainment enables us to communicate with customers who have a higher propensity to engage with entertainment messages ultimately. So it's a perfect alignment. Uh, They're more relaxed. 
they're in the mindset of seeking out entertainment options um, and it allows us to have a diversified audience that we can communicate with because there are obviously different profiles for people coming in for business during the week and those who are coming in for leisure and entertainment um, outside of business hours. Mark, um, just on that, Diana mentioned sort of the bright big blue screens and so forth um, and the digital network you've got. I think you said earlier that you got some neuro insight data that's suggesting that the new network has more impact than the, than the previous infrastructure. Is that the case, and, and why is that? Absolutely the case. Uh, and we we did a neuro insight study which uh, looked at long term memory encoding and effectiveness of the new net network versus the network that was there prior. And uh, the results suggest that the, the new network is twenty six percent more effective at uh, memory encoding and impact uh, than the previous network, which is great news for us. Uh, But if you think about what Diana has just said, it is a bigger, brighter, beautifully designed uh, network that's optimised for visibility uh, and the displays themselves uh, are in 4K. So um, it it kind of the the study and the stats just back up what intuitively we knew was true. So, so luminosity and design um, are the two key factors. Is the infrastructure in the same place as it was before or is it being mapped differently as well? Some of it is. We've replaced the whole network. The locations themselves are there or thereabouts, but we put a lot of time and effort into the design, not just for functionality and equal access for all, but around viewability and making sure that um, the advertising panel network is highly viewable. Um, the fact is the screens themselves are not just brighter, but they're also bigger than uh, was the, what was there prior. So it, it stands to reason that they're going to have a greater impact uh, and cut through. Diana Muckham often reminds me that, you know, one of the upsides to his network is the ability to swap creative in and out and change quickly. Are you doing that? How are you using that network? Are you doing that? How frequently you're swapping creative out? And do you get down to sort of what creative and what messages you're showing in the CBD is different to other geographic regions that you might be using other channels about? Is there a difference there? Do you get down to that detail? First of all, broadly, we absolutely are using the digital network to change creative out and for a number of different reasons. We obviously um, are part of a broader entertainment landscape, a global entertainment landscape that is constantly changing. And one of our important brand propositions is to give our content to consumers the same day as US. So that means we are beholden to scheduling changes that come out of the US and wake up to things that happen overnight. And that means campaign and portfolio changes, which that digital network enables us to do. And then within a specific campaign, the digital flexibility allows us to build creative storytelling and continue to change the message or even just update subtle messages or differences to the creative that have been proven to improve recall and retention in numerous studies. And I know Mark has often um, talked to that before as well. As shows and campaigns and, and sports tournaments roll out, we can update the creative or the messaging based on what's happening in market or respond to feedback or sentiment to continue to maximise the ROI of that campaign. So broadly, very, very important for us and we use it in multiple ways and are often changing creative. It also allows us to uh, maximise our portfolio optimization between the different campaigns and, and can do that on a dime within you know less than an hour. 
I know you're going to tell me uh, you're not going to answer this question, but I'm going to try anyway, Diana, which is um, in terms of the City of Sydney network, is it in your top three channel choices and what you use across your entire mix and how much? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I know. Nice try. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Look, outdoor is an important component of our overall media mix and our overall marketing mix. And City of Sydney, given the scale that it affords in Australia's biggest uh, market and also the frequency build and and cut through that we mentioned earlier, um, makes it a very, very important component of that outdoor strategy. Okay, well, that's as good as I'm going to get. Mark, in terms of what um, Diana was talking about and how she's sort of dropping campaigns in and out overnight from the US, all that really fast and furious stuff that she can do uh, with Stan, is that how most brands uh, are going on the network, are using the network? Um, how many are dropping in new executions? How quickly are they, they change their campaigns up? And you've got a couple of examples on that. Look, it's, it's certainly um, happening more and more, the flexibility of a digital network. And in our network uh, in the city of Sydney, we've got you know ten times the amount of digital that was there in the in the prior network, and having that coverage out across the whole thirty three suburbs, twenty six square kilometres, does provide that flexibility and the ability to change as you want to or you need to um, as the campaign evolves. Um, I'm going to sound like I'm um, plugging Neuro Insights here, but and the fabulous Peter Pinter, but uh, well, he's all right. We've got an additional study um, with Neuro Insights across our whole portfolio that, that actually uh, proves the power of an evolving story in the, um, the effectiveness of a campaign. Um, and that evolving story can be a story told or it could be subtle changes to your creative during the course of a day or over the course of a, of a campaign. And so what we're seeing is uh, a lot more consideration of that flexibility and that evolving story from from clients across many categories. Outside of Stan, Mark, who's doing it well? Look, we've had we've had some really fabulous campaigns over this over this first year. Uh, Couple to uh, to really, I, I guess, uh, shout out about NIB did a fantastic campaign around Vivid. Um, it was right. textual relevance and time of day um, with some unique messaging. And um, look, I, I thought it looked beautiful. It was designed for street furniture um, and really well executed. So different different material up at different locations around the city at different times of the day. Um, we just did a campaign for Visa for FIFA Women's World Cup. Right. And that was fan messages um, in the lead up to, you know, tonight's important game. So they mm. display fan messages on our network. And that is, that's probably a great example of how to utilise um, a digital network properly um, and also to uh, the, the power of, you know, subtle changes in what's on the screen. Yeah, it's a good point. And, and that's almost getting to user-generated content there, isn't it? It is. With messages, yeah. And so what you just talked about this thing called contextual relevance. What do you mean by that? Uh, it's tailoring your message to suit either the, the, the location or the moment or the time of day for maximum relevance and cut through. Right. And so, Diana, just on that, do you use contextual relevance uh, for Stan? How do you do it? And um, i got to ask, what's the best campaign you, you think you've done? 
We absolutely do use contextual relevance in a number of different formats. As Mark said, that can take lots of different forms. For example, our upcoming Rugby World Cup campaign will be evolving the creative as the tournament builds based on the teams that continue to progress throughout that tournament as news unfolds, as key players um, and stories progress and we follow um, audience interests along the journey to the Rugby World Cup, but ultimately also to use it as an announcement vehicle and eventize key matches uh, throughout the tournament and, and follow the Wallabies or whatever team that people in the area are supporting. In terms of which campaign is my favourite, well, there have been a huge volume of incredibly successful campaigns and I don't like to pick favourites because they're all my babies, but uh, ultimately... <laughs> yes. uh, <laughs> I'm incredibly excited about one that we're working with QMS on at the moment for our upcoming Santa Regional Court. So uh, watch this space. It should be live by the time you're listening to this. Mm. Right. Well, into the city I go. On that, Mark, uh, what is next for contextual relevance? Is there some interesting stuff coming down the pipe? Uh, in terms of contextual relevance, the, the, the best examples this year have been advertisers wrapping around the, the huge events that have been occurring in the city. Um, we started the year with World Pride, uh, followed up with Vivid, FIFA Women's World Cup, and the, and the very next event uh, to hit Sydney uh, in October is South by Southwest. Now, um, we've had enormous advertiser interest in that event, and, of course, a lot of um, Australian businesses have signed on as partners of the event. The first time South by Southwest has been held outside of Texas um, in, its, in its long history, and it is a festival of ideas, so um, it is a great opportunity for advertisers to do some clever executions, declaring their involvement in the event or uh, taking some value from it. Um, so we've got some great uh, clients that have signed up and we look forward to seeing some great campaigns through October. I'm, I'm intrigued as to who. Are you allowed to say yet or is it too early? Uh, too early. Mm. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks for nothing, Mark, but that's okay. Um, just uh, in terms of, I'll get to Donna quickly on how she's doing it, but more broadly in terms of the use of data on the network, uh, Mark, to you know inform, shift and do all the things that, that it can do. So how are brands using that at the moment? There's a, there's a number of different ways. We've, we've designed the network uh, for ease of planning and buying and done a lot of the data work in advance. So depending on what your category is or um, which audience you're trying to target, we've got a, a ready-to-go data-informed package for you. What we're seeing now with the, um, with the launch of, and I'm probably jumping the gun, gun here, but the, the launch of our Performance Plus product is to inform our clients or our advertisers on what's happening within that audience delivery uh, each week. So we can provide an hour-by-hour, day-by-day uh, report on what audience is actually seeing your campaign in real time. Mm. That must be um, attractive for you, Diana. How are you using data on, on the network? It certainly is, Paul, and, and I obviously can't get into the specifics of the data, but based on research and brand studies that we've conducted, we obviously know the value of outdoor and the network um, that the City of Sydney provides us. And in addition to the QMS data, we use that to inform how and where we place our content and what sort of campaigns we place where and how our brand shows up to gain the maximum ROI for our business. You're micromanaging almost in that context then? 
<laughs> she certainly is. Um, <laughs> for some context for you, uh, Stan um, have been on this journey on the City City Network from the very start. Stan signed up to be a, a launch partner um, at the top level from day one, um, have grown with the network with us, and I'm thrilled that it's worked because we've actually increased our partnership with Stan on, as a consequence across that network uh, for year two. So um, couldn't be happier with um, the results. I couldn't be happier with the relationship. Stan are and always have been a fantastic partner. We work together very, very well. And uh, as Diana described it before, the flexibility and the willingness to, to sit together and work it out is just so refreshing. I did want to ask, Mark, there's this performance plus initiative that uh, you've come to market with. What is that? What does it do? Okay, so uh, Performance Plus is a, um, it's a first in out of home uh, to, to our knowledge. Uh, it's a post-campaign report which provides a mobility data representation of audience delivery um, for the campaign you planned and bought. Obviously, your campaign is planned and bought on industry currency, currently move, but we have the, the ability with our mobility data, DSpark, to represent that in real time on the network uh, by hour and by day. And so it's a, it's a trust and transparency step and a fundamental belief that you should get what you planned and bought. Right. And is that in market now? It's in market now. Right. How long has it been around? It's, it's only been uh, in market for a few weeks. We worked with one of our significant agency partners to develop it uh, and test it. We're very proud of the product itself. It, as I said, it is a, an industry first. Um, and it does provide that next level of accountability, trust and transparency on what it is that you're buying and the delivery of uh, your audience. And as I mentioned earlier, um, some insight into uh, not just the total audience, but when that audience is there. Right. And is that rolling out? So it's in trial at the moment or it's rolled out to the... It's been live for a couple of weeks. Okay. Um, and the feedback has been fantastic so far. Diana, one more question for you, which is, um, you know, in the next year, clearly a lot happening with both Olympics and stuff that's going on in Sydney and so forth. How do you see um, you using City of Sydney in the next 12 months? Is it going to change uh, or just pretty much what you're doing now and, and utilising the learnings you've got? Building on what Marcus said, there's a lot happening with City of Sydney. The network's maturing. There are new innovations and developments coming. And we very much look forward to seeing what Mark and the QMS team have in store for 2024 and how we continue to build on our strong partnership um, with them to maximise opportunities in this space. And as you say, Paul, no shortage of things for us to talk about. Yeah, well, if he hasn't told you now what he's up to, perhaps he should right now, Diana. What are, What is next, uh, Mark Fairhurst, for QMS and the City of Sydney uh, Network? And tell us everything, please. What's next? So um, I've jumped the gun earlier and mentioned the uh, the 3D pack, mm. easy to buy uh, pack in 3D. Sorry, just on that, Mark, is that a different creative treatment? Do you know marketers like Diana have to, uh, is it a different creative treatment and, and way to build? We were treated as an activation within a well-planned and bought campaign. Okay. So it will, be, it will be 10 or 20 in packs panels where you can create a 3D image that has the appearance of coming out off the panel. Mm. So it really brings it to life. Does that work for movies, Diana? That would be, can you see an application for that? 
I can see an application for that for entertainment and sport, to be honest. Yeah, and sport yeah. as well. Yeah, you're right. That's true. That's yeah. a good point. It, it does require some production. So there is a, um, you know, a bit more of a lead time with it, but it has huge impact. Yeah, I reckon I'd, st- I'd stand and stare at it. Absolutely. So, um, so from a cut-through perspective, yes. Um, from a talkability and PR perspective, mm. yes. A real uh, talking piece around a great campaign. So bringing that to life. The premium uh, kiosk pack will be uh, live and saleable in Q4 um, this year. Bus stop wraps as part of a, a, of the special activation and um, also pop-up activations in fantastic pedestrian locations like Pitt Street Mall and Martin Place um, over yeah. the next 12 months. Pop-ups though, so that's not – what you're saying there is it's not infrastructure that sits there? no. No, just uh, activation spaces, as again, as part of a well-planned and bought uh, City of Sydney or QMS campaign. Hey, thanks for joining, guys. Um, stay safe. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Mark. Thanks so much, Paul. Thanks, Diana. This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 audio edition to listen for free. Listener.